0: Hey, guys, we're here to do some reverse caroling where I ask you to sing me a song. Let's go. holy night. The stars are brightly shining. Some people like to make snow angels. I like to make snow angel choirs. The entire choir of snow angels. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth.
1: Well, we're so glad to have all of you with us for uh, the opening week of our series called Carols During This Christmas Season. What we've done is uh, we actually produced a collection of Christmas carols for you to give to your friends, you can get these uh, for absolutely free at iTunes or you can go to lifechurch.tv slash carols and we want you to uh, give these out and help get people into the family of God and we're going to dive into four specific Carols leading up to uh, Christmas week as we're going to worship God uh, in well over a hundred different worship services. Uh, The carol that we're going to talk about today is for many a a favorite. We're going to talk about O Holy Night. And let me give you uh, some context of the history of this song and then we're going to talk about it. Uh, The song O Holy Night was actually written in the mid 1800s. What's interesting is there was a parish priest who asked a guy in town who was actually a French uh, merchant and a poet. His name was uh, Placide Capot. Uh, The priest asked Placide, would you write a poem to Luke chapter 2? The interesting thing is Placide was not only not a Christian, uh, but he was also known as kind of a hellraiser. He was uh, very far from God, didn't go to church at all, but he was a good poet. So Placide wrote this poem, and he loved it so much he asked his friend who was also not a christian to put the poem to music and this song became so popular that it uh, ran through the catholic church was played in all sorts of churches until a few years into it when everyone realized just who wrote the song and who did the music and they said you got to shut this song down But by then it was way too late and the song was massively popular as it is today. Another interesting fact about this carol then, about five decades later in 1906, Reginald Fessenden uh, was a 33-year-old Canadian uh, professor who did what many people thought was impossible. He took kind of out of his own garage and made a makeshift generator, plugged a microphone into it. And broadcast the very first AM broadcast in the history of the world on Christmas Eve in 1906. And he took Luke chapter 2, verse 1, spoke into the microphone, and broadcast that chapter starting out in those days. Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and he read the Christmas story. Then he took his violin, played into the microphone, and the first song broadcast across air raves in the history of the world was this song, O Holy Night. Here's our version of this classic carol.
0: a thrill of hope, and the weary world rejoices for y'all.
1: You know, you can only imagine what it would have been there to, uh, to be like to be there on that, uh, that holy night. Um, to us today, I think the, uh, the manger scene, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, it draws so much emotion out, maybe because when I was a kid, we had our sitting out on the uh, the coffee table. It was my job to set it up every year, and you've got the baby Jesus, and you've got uh, the uh, Virgin Mary, and you've got Joseph, and you've got the cows that were lowing, whatever lowing means. I have no idea, but they were lowing. You know, And there's, there's this real emotional draw to that, but I, I really honestly think that the manger scene is meaningful as it can be. It, it actually does a little bit of a disservice to us to understanding what that night would have been like because uh, the reality is, if you think about it, there was a teenage girl that was uh, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, which is a whole nother uh, round of, of thoughts that we could have. And she and her uh, likely teenage fiance traveled on the back of a donkey. Now, you have to picture this, nine months pregnant, Uh, on a donkey, and they traveled somewhere between 80 and 120 miles. Now, when Amy was about to give birth, I took her to the hospital in a Honda Accord, and that was rough enough, okay? You imagine uh, on the back of a donkey. Then they come into town, and there's no place to stay. Uh, There's no inn, and so they go to what is most likely, a lot of scholars believe, was kind of like a cave. Uh, It was a place where the animals would go to get some shelter from the rough weather. And so she's given birth in the worst environment possible. We're talking about, you know, unsterile, no no epidural, if you can, you know, little girl screaming her brains out. There's, you know, there's no angel going, Oh, I mean, this is a girl screaming. Her. And I mean, I, I even imagine, I remember the first time Amy gave birth without an epidural. Um, it was our third child. And the doc, the um, anesthesiologist was giving her the shot. I don't know if you've seen the needle, they're about this long. It's going in her spine. And she says, the baby's coming out now. And so the guy kind of, I guess, panicked, pulled the shot out. Blood squirted across the room. Everybody say, ooh. Okay. I just made sure and asked God not to let me throw up in that moment because I had to um, reserve somewhat of my man card. And and. Amy started screaming, the baby's coming out, the baby's coming out, and it was, she was screaming, and the anesthesiologist, that wasn't his department, so he just kind of stood back. I'm like, do something, get somebody, and Amy's looking at me, and I had three assignments I knew. One was to get help, two was to keep her from falling off the back of the bed because she kept pushing herself, three was to be in the ready position. My dad always taught me, butt down, don't let a ball get under you, and so I was butt down in the ready position to catch the baby, and she's screaming, no doctors around, I mean, it's chaos. And I put my hands on and I actually was the first human being to touch uh, Anna, my third daughter's head. And I I remember thinking two thoughts. Thought number one, I've never been closer to God at this holy moment. Thought number two, honestly, I was thinking I'm going to be the freaking hero of this story. I'm going to tell everybody (laughs) how awesome I was until right as Anna came out, God is my witness. I panicked. She was, I mean, she came out. I let go. She fell only about this far onto the bed, but she did fall down, and there are two morals to that story. One is, it was the closest moment to God I've ever had. Number two is, Amy is the hero of that story, and I have to stick by it through and through. Uh, it It was chaos. It's screaming, it's panic, and this is what's going on inside uh, this little cave as Mary gives birth to the Son of God. Now, in this, in this song, O Holy Night, uh, there's a phrase that I want to z- zero in on, and that's what we're going to do in this series. I may pick out some phrases that may be a bit unlikely to you, but I believe that every time you worship God to this song again, this phrase will jump out to you, and you will remember the holy moment as you experience God together at this time. Here's the phrase I want to look at. Uh, The song says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Could all of you say weary world? One, two, three. Weary world. Then it says, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, If there's two words that accurately describe our world today, I'd say it's weary world. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, just, it's just, I mean, just overwhelming. There's so much anxiety. What's going on with the economy? And relationships are messed up. And every third person seems to have some kind of serious disease. And families are struggling. And I mean, we're just, it's almost like we're fighting to stay above water. And I just think so many people today relate to that phrase, the weary world. But what I love about this song is it says there's a thrill of hope. Imagine in the chaos of this holy night, there's a thrill of hope that maybe, just maybe, and those who were uh, putting their faith in God for centuries had hoped that one day the Messiah would be born. And on that day, Everything would be different forever and ever. And you can, you can hear that kind of faith that there's a thrill of hope and suddenly the weary world does what? The weary world rejoices. And I pray to God that if there's any weary world in you that you will experience a thrill of hope and inside your weary world you will find the faith to rejoice. Why? Because even in the chaos of this night, There is a new and glorious morn, and every time as you move forward, I want you not just to think about that holy night, but I want you to think about what happens the next day when the sun comes up, the Savior's been born, and on the new and glorious morn, everything is different because a day with Christ can change Everything. Let's focus in on a new and glorious morning. What I want to do is take you back to the Old Testament, uh, to the book of Lamentations. Uh, the context of Lamentations in the year uh, 586 B.C. Jerusalem fell, and the people were as distraught as you could possibly imagine. And the prophet Jeremiah, he was lamenting. He was. He was hurting along with everybody else, and he just pours his heart out full of hurt uh, in this text. And in chapter 3, we see a switch where he moves from his mourning to a moment of faith. And I love this. He says in verse 20, he says, I well remember them, and my soul is what? Say it aloud. He said, my soul is downcast within me. In other words, he's not going to just, you know, put his hands over his eyes with, uh, and put, you know, no, 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 this isn't happening. He, he's, he's acknowledging there's some significant uh, life-altering difficulties, but he goes on in verse 21, and he says, yet I do what? Everybody say it aloud. He said, yet I call to mind, and therefore, what do I have? Therefore, I have I love this. He says, I'm going to call this to mind. I know it's there, but it's not at the front of my mind, and I'm going to place it at the front of my mind. I'm going to call this to mind, and because I remember this truth, I will have hope. When no one else does, because I know this to be true, I call it to mind, therefore I have hope. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. And now I love this. He says about God's compassions, they are what? Everybody say it aloud. They are new every morning. Then he loses himself and he starts talking to God. I mean, he's talking about God, then he's just got to talk to God. And he says, God, great is your faithfulness. Then he says, I remind myself, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's amazing what a new day with Christ can bring. And I want to show you three truths that can bring you a thrill of hope when your weary world is in darkness. Out of this text, thought number one, if you're taking notes, a new day with Christ brings, number one, exactly what you need. Every new day with Christ will bring you exactly what you need. Now, I didn't say what you want, because what you need and what you want are sometimes different things. Lamentations 3, verse 24, I say to myself, how many of you know, every now and then, you just have to talk to yourself and preach to yourself some truth. Sometimes you just got to be the best preacher around. You just open up God's Word, you call it to mind, you say to yourself, and you remind yourself of the truth of God. I say to myself, the Lord is my what? Everybody, come on. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will do what? I will wait for Him. The Lord is my portion. What is that mean? Well, it could mean any number of different things. Some scholars believe, and I tend to agree, that it likely is referring back to the time when the Israelites were wandering in the desert and God would provide for them their daily portion of heavenly manna, that every day when they would awaken, God would give them exactly enough food for that day. If they ever tried to hoard the food and hold some over for the next day, the food wouldn't last. It would rot. It was as if, and we know, that God was trying to teach them that they need him every single day, just like in the New Testament when Jesus taught us to pray, give me today my what? My Daily bread, because I need God every single day. And I call this to mind and I say to myself, the Lord is my daily portion. He is exactly what I need. The good news is, I want you to understand God is already in tomorrow and he has everything you need for tomorrow, whatever it brings. He is already absolutely there. If your marriage is struggling, what I hope you'll understand is God is in tomorrow waiting for you, and he is what your marriage needs. If you are weak today, God is already in tomorrow, and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. If you are down and depressed today, he is already in tomorrow, and he is your joy. He is the lift of your head. A new day with Christ always brings exactly what you need, and what you need is the presence of God, His reality, His strength, His power, His goodness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait For him. A new day with Christ, it brings us exactly what we need. The second thing, and I hope this ministers to you, that a new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going. A new day with Christ brings us the hope to keep going going. It's the thrill of hope in the weary world. It's the thrill of hope and faith when all we see is darkness. It's the belief that there's a new morning coming in the middle of the chaos of the night. Verse 25 of Lamentations 3 says, the Lord is good to those whose what? Would you say it aloud? The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Someone said this, and I think this is interesting, that we as people, we can live 40 days or so without food. We can live eight days or so without water. We can live four minutes or so without oxygen. But we can only live a few seconds without hope. I believe there are too many people today who are trying to survive with a very hope-deprived life. Uh, They're they're struggling to find places to put their hope. In fact, they're putting their their hope in the wrong places. Um, Some of you know right now the stock market is kind of a risky place to put your hope, isn't it? And It is. Put your hope in your uh, company and you may get let down. Put your hope in another person and they may not come through for you. Put your hope in some outcome that you just need and you may not get exactly what you thought should happen. The reason is, is because we're putting our hope in the wrong places. And when we put our hope in the wrong places, we start to end up hopeless and we become a weary world that wonders where is anything good? Because our hope is in the wrong places. I love what Hebrews 10 verse 23 says. Scripture tells us that uh, let us do what? Everybody help me. The Bible says let us hold unswervingly to the what? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I love that picture. Let us hold on to it. And hold on to it for your life. Grab a hold, those of you who are Christians, grab a hold of the hope that we profess and don't ever let go. Don't ever let go because he is faithful who promised unto us. The challenge today is I believe there are too many that are letting go of the hope that we profess and we're grabbing on to all the fear and anxiety of the darkness of the night. We're letting go of the truth of God and we're hanging on to all the lies of the evil one and what we need to do is the exact opposite. Let go of the fear, let go of the anxiety, let go of the stress, let go of the panic, let go of the doubt and hold on to the hope that we've professed. Hang on to the promises of God and don't let go. Don't ever lose hope of what a new day in Christ can bring. Don't ever lose that hope to to this day. I I can't get over the loss of a friend who surrendered hope. I mean, there's hardly a month that goes by after over a dozen years that I'm not talking about it to somebody of a friend who lost hope. Great man of God, great friend, great dad, great husband, and in the darkness of the night and we still don't know what happened. Nobody knows. He panicked, he was in trouble, he made a bad decision, he was afraid. We don't know, but he took his life and um, he was our friend and his wife called us first and we were the first people over to his house and we took her in and we took her kids in and we came back in the longest night of our lives, and we held each other, and we cried. And we cried, and we held each other, and we cried, and we held each other. The thing I remember most was not the night, but early the next morning, I went into the office just to get away to pray and try to figure out which way's up and what are we going to do. And I got in my car, and I drove just before the sun was coming up, And I looked and I saw the most beautiful sunrise that you've ever seen in your life. And I rolled down my windows and I stopped and I listened to the birds starting to chirp and the sun coming over the horizon. And I just thought, man, if he could have just made it through the night, if he could have just seen what this day had to offer, Whatever it was that was up in his mind, whatever fear, whatever lie it was, if he could have just held on to the hope and made it through the night and seen the rising sun that I see, if he could have just remembered the risen sun that I know, don't lose hope hold on to the hope that we profess. I'm going to stay here for a moment because there's somebody who needs to hear this. Don't let go of the hope. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Don't cash it in. Don't, understand, it may be dark for a while, but there is a new day coming, and it's amazing what a new day in Christ can bring. Don't give up up. Don't give up the hope. Don't give, there's a weary world, yes, but in the weariness, there's a thrill of hope, and the weary world can rejoice. There is a new day coming. I'm telling you, a new day with Christ can change everything. Oh, if I could give anything to say to my friend, hang on until the morning, man, when you see the sun rise, when you, see, when, when you get there, God's got everything you need. Don't give up the hope. A new day with Christ, a new and a glorious morning. It brings exactly what you need. It brings the hope. It brings the hope to keep going. And number three, a new day with Christ. It brings the help that you're seeking. A new day. With Christ brings the help that you're seeking. Verse 26 tells us it's good to wait. Sometimes you just have to wait quietly for the what? Sometimes you have to wait quietly for the salvation. Of the Lord, some of you, you need the salvation of your souls, and you need to know that you do. You need to be saved and forgiven by God. Some of you, you 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 already have been born into the family of God. You need to be saved out of a, of a difficult situation. I am always amazed, and I want you to think about this and never lose uh, sight of this thought. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. You cannot fathom what a difference one day with Christ can make. You you can never, ever, ever, ever even put into words the difference that one day with Christ can make. Lazarus in the New Testament had been dead for four days. He was so dead that he was smelling bad. The King James Version said it best. The King James Version said, he stinketh. (laughs) You know you're dead when you stinketh in the King James Version. Four days. Everyone had given hope, uh, given up hope. Jesus shows up, looks at the stone, r- r- looks into the grave, says, "Lazarus, get up, buddy, come forth." Lazarus walks out, and I'm here to tell you, Lazarus would, would say, "It's amazing the difference that one day with Christ can make." There was a woman who, for 12 years, uh, was suffering with a, uh, an issue of blood for for 12 years. You imagine. The pain, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the the torture, the the private suffering of her soul for 12 years every day, hoping this will be the day, maybe this will be the day. Oh my gosh, am I stuck with this? For, For 12 years, the agony, and one day she sees Jesus and touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. And she would tell you, it's, you cannot even describe the difference that one day with Christ can make. What one man for 38 years since the day he was born, was unable to walk and was at the pool of Bethsaida one day when Jesus came up and Jesus looked at him and said, pick up your mat and walk. And after 38 years of being unable to walk, this man walks and he would tell you It is amazing the difference that one day with Christ will make. Some of you, you've got to hear this. You're in the weary world right now. I'm telling you, there is a thrill of hope that will make your weary world rejoice. There is a new and a glorious morning that's coming. You may look at your marriage and think it could never be what it should be. I'm telling you, it's amazing the difference that one day with Christ, what it can make. Some of you, you, you're sick in body or someone you love is sick in body. And I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who is able to heal. And whether he heals or he doesn't heal the way we think he should, in the presence of God with his goodness, it is amazing the difference that one day in Christ can make. Some of you right now, you're in, you're in the night. Man, they're screaming. There's no epidural. The baby's coming. The cows are lowing. We don't know what that means, but it's no fun. And all of a sudden, in the middle of this weary world and the darkness of the night, you're reminded that because Jesus was born, you can have hope in the middle of the night. Because Jesus is here, you can have hope in the middle of the night. Because a new day with Christ, I'm telling you, it brings exactly what you need. It may not be what you want, but it's always exactly what you need. And a new day with Christ, it gives you the hope to keep on going. And a new day with Christ can bring you the help that you are seeking. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12, this, this verse for some of you will become um, a new favorite. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is what? Say it aloud. The night is nearly over, and the day is what? The day is almost here. The night is nearly over, and the day is almost here. The night is nearly over, and the day is almost here. The night is nearly over. over, And the day is almost here. The darkness is nearly over because the sun will rise again. The darkness is nearly over because the Son of God will rise again. The darkness is nearly over because the sun will rise again. And you are nearer to your salvation than you were a day before. For some of you, that is the salvation of your souls. For others of you, that is a salvation out of darkness. The day is coming. The night is almost over. The the sun always rises again. The Son of God is risen. And because he was born into this weary world, there is a thrill of hope. For yonder breaks a new and what? Say it with me, a new and glorious morn. Father, I pray that in your presence, that your spirit would minister to your people. And every time, God, we worship you through this carol, that we would be reminded that a new day with Christ can bring more than we could ever, ever imagine. All of our churches, as you're praying together now, uh, God, I ask that your spirit would speak to us in a way that only you can do. As you're praying today, nobody looking around, um, some of you right now, you may just, say, honestly, uh, you're, in, you're in a, in a dark uh, dark season. It could be relationships. It could be um, a struggle with someone that you love. A lot of people around Christmas time, it's the best time of the year, but for a lot of people, it's the most difficult time of the year. Uh, some of you, you may be really freaking out financially right now, job struggles or, or, or maybe no job at all, and you're out buying and spending money you don't have, and it's, it's, just, it's, it's wearing on you. A lot of you, you're dealing with um, uh, sickness. Uh, I can't even count the number of people close to us that we're praying for that are that are struggling. You're in a season of darkness, and you, you need the hope that a new day is coming. If you really need a touch from God, his presence, exactly what he needs, the hope to keep going, uh, the help that you're seeking, I'd love to pray for you. If uh, If you're in the darkness of the night right now, would you lift up your hands? All of our churches, our network churches, a lot of you going through struggles right now. God, I I pray for those with a hand lifted up, and I, God, I acknowledge that um, I don't know the details, obviously, but I thank you that you know exactly what each person uh, is going through. And God, I, I pray that, that um, I pray, God, that they would find the joy that comes in the morning. God, I pray that even at this moment, um, spiritually, this could be that new day, that you are here, you are with us You are our hope. You're our redeemer. You're our savior. God, we look to you. We pray that your spirit would minister to your people, God, that you would truly give them exactly what they need. God, some, they need the hope to keep going. God, for some, they truly need salvation out of a difficult situation or your presence to sustain them through it. God, we ask that you would be present with us in this new and glorious morning. And God, I thank you in advance for all the ways you're gonna strengthen us, you lift our heads, and God, that we would see your goodness and worship you for it. As you keep praying today, all of our different churches, nobody looking around, I want you to think about this. Just just think for a moment. A non-Christian wrote this song. What does that tell us? That tells us you can know the story of Christmas without knowing the savior of the world. You can know the story without knowing the savior. For some of you, you're here because there is a salvation that you're seeking. You may not even know it, but you've been looking all over this world for something that fills the emptiness inside. You've tried things, you've tried relationships, you've tried experiences, you've tried money, you've tried tried everything and you can't find it. Why? Because you need the salvation out of the emptiness of this world. You need a relationship with God through Jesus. Others of you you, you, you believe in God, perhaps, as I did growing up, and you, and you think, hey, I'll try to be a good person, I'll try to um, be better than most people, hopefully at the end of my life, my good works will kind of outweigh my bad works, and then, uh, then I'll, I'll experience the salvation of God. Let me just tell you right now, you try that path and you will end up straight in hell. There is no way possible for any of us to work our way to God. Scripture says it uh, in black and white, that we can never be good enough, that our sin Has separated us from a holy God. You can work your way until you're you're blue in the face, but guess what? You're just going to end up in a weary world. Here's the good news. Your weary world can have a thrill of hope, and the hope, his name is Jesus. He is the Son of God who was born of a virgin who died on a cross, who rose again so we could be forgiven. There are those of you today that you walked in without a living relationship with God through Christ. And as you call on him today, you will be forgiven, you will be changed. Your emptiness will be filled, and that's why you're here. All of our churches, those of you who would say, that's me. I want to give my life to him. I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness. I surrender completely to him. Jesus, take All of my life, I give it to you. Would you lift your hands high right now all over the place? Lift them high and say, yes, that's my prayer. Lift them high right back over here. Praise God for you. Church online, you click right below me. Others who would say, me too. Jesus, I give my life completely to you. Lift your hands and say, yes, that's my prayer today. As there are hands going up at churches all across uh, this world, would you pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. You are the salvation that I seek. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you celebrate? Would you worship God? Would you welcome those today born into his family?